The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when nickels down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Hey, welcome back to the welcome into the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. I am in studio. This is Jimmy Lachey. Kwame Lasseter, he is out of studio today, but he shall be calling in here very soon. And hey, it's Tuesday. It's Taco Tuesday. Welcome to the show. Now, getting start, things started off, uh, it was some news yesterday that hit, which kind of surprised me. I guess the Raiders are ready to make moves on their, you know, top head coach now for the next season and for the future. And they're very interested in bringing back a guy they had in before who had a little stint in Mike Shanahan. I think it's very interesting. Honestly, I think Mike Shanahan coaching era is has passed him. His good his good days, his better days of coaching has passed him, but his knowledge of the game would never end. But it's just a concept of dealing with uh players now, players in today's NFL and how the NFL has changed from the nineties to how it is now. And we have Kwame Lasseter here joining us on the show on Kwame, you there? Yeah, but I barely can hear you, man. I I'm I'm getting tired of uh yeah, I'm here, but I barely can hear you. You can barely hear me. I'm yelling in the mic. I, it's not you. It's not you at all. <laughs> hey, welcome, well, welcome in. We we've been waiting for you. You know. <laughs> but uh, I heard you say something about uh, Mike Shanahan. Yeah, and how the Raiders are interested in bringing him back because I know he coached with the Raiders in '88, '89 season. Um, they're interested in bringing him back, and I I don't know if this is a great deal because. The maturity of the game, or should I say the players, have changed since he was coaching in the 90s. I mean, he realized that when he was with Redskins. A lot of these guys aren't mentally tough as they used to be, especially with his days in Denver. And now with him going to Oakland, I, I think that's a bigger challenge than how it was with him going into Washington. But the Raiders are interested in him again. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> you can always go back home. Wherever you get your first start, uh, sometimes it doesn't work out, sometimes it does as far as you know, you go in there and you're successful right away. But uh, as you mentioned, Mike Shanahan started with the, uh, what it was 25 years ago, started with the Raiders before he went to Denver and became uh, that Hall of Fame coach that he is today. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking about Cal maybe interviewing with the Raiders and probably getting a job. But there's a lot of coaching vacancies out there, and we talked about them uh, prior to the, to the day. One of the things I've heard that was kind of shocking that I didn't know if it made any sense well, maybe it may make sense at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Was Mike Shanahan being a GM and Cal being a head coach? Mm-hmm. I've heard that uh, as far as a coaching vacancy, and that vacancy was in Buffalo. So it would be interesting to see if both of those guys team up and go somewhere. Is Mike done coaching? Is he more of a, a GM uh, in his later lot of years of his, his career? Or is he still willing to be a coach somewhere? Or maybe they just want Cal to get Mike. Yeah, and I don't, I really don't understand 
I could see him being a GM and coach Mike Shanahan. And that would be very interesting, like you were saying, to your point of them being together with as a GM and then as a head coach. I don't think that's ever been done in the game before, but I know a lot of these father-son uh, relationships in the NFL, that, that would be a dream come true for them because they probably had the same mindset, of course, and watching each other so many times. So they know which players can fit in their systems and whatnot. But going back with just Mike Shanahan, I'm just thinking the game has changed, you know, since the Denver Bronco days. And – where the players are now. Because him and RG3, you know, they bumped heads a lot. And, you know, Mike Shanahan had that old football, old, you know, that old head coach mindset. And RG3 is living in it now. So he's like, you know, we don't need certain stuff. We don't need all that. And he tuned them out uh, after, what, after the first season, even during that first season when uh, RG3 got hurt during his rookie year. He started to tune them out. And that's I think that's the biggest issue about being a uh, – being a great head coach, being a great ball coach on the field, game days and practices, that's that means a lot. But at the same time, you gotta have that player. You know, you gotta make sure like your players coach that they players that can understand you. They can come to you with any issues, and you know more than yeah. kind of like how Marvin Lewis is, or well, he hasn't been successful in the playoffs, but uh, kind of like how Jason Garrett is. Pete Carroll, you know, he loves. Uh, he's very close with all his players. I mean, you see the success that he's bringing. Right, coaches. Coaches are they are who they are. You mentioned you mentioned two with contrast coaching similarities. You mentioned Pete Carroll, also, and Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan' problem is, in my opinion, is that he doesn't change, he doesn't change with the time. And although he's that Hall of Fame coach that he was in Denver and winning multiple Super Bowls. You're dealing with a different breed of guys, man. You're dealing with a different breed of athletes. These athletes, when you when every year the numbers go up as far as their salary, every numbers go up the numbers as far as their endorsements. It's hard to tell people like that, just period, people in general. But now you talk about some athletes to tell them uh, what's not what you can and what you cannot do as a player, or maybe you're not able to change with the times as a coach. It becomes very difficult to coach these guys because, in a sense, I've always said they are on the field. And Mike Shanahan has to be able to change Correct. like most successful coaches do. Right. We watched Tom Coughlin change, <laughs> and then we watched him win two Super Bowls because he changed. He was a, uh, a stickler for the rules. He's always been a disciplinary. But when you got guys under a military uh, leadership or military discipline, that's not going. That's not going fall well with a lot of professional athletes because those are grown men, and you are just another guy. And I and I, I did a speech today uh, mm-hmm. with the players, mm-hmm. uh, pro chambers, commons, and I said we all have titles, but those, most times those are made up words about who does what and who leaves what. But we all do the same thing. If you can't understand that as a coach, that I am my player, my player has to be me. You can see a lot of identities with. When a coach talk or when a, when a player interviews after the game, sounds just like the coach. But when those coaches don't change, you have some dissension in the ranks as far as production on the field. And right. Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, has to understand that. And I'm sure Cal might take a page out of his uh, father's book, his dad's book, as far as to, you know, this is a player's game. This is not a coach's game. Nobody's coming to watch coach coach. Very true. And I, I agree with that. Uh, they're coming to, yeah, they're coming to see the players play. At their highest level, but at the same time, I mean, we're talking about the Raiders. Maybe they need that military mindset 
to help change them around. Because since yeah, we both seen yeah. that. That was crazy. Exactly, and you, you know, remember the Kansas City game? Oh yeah, do I ever? When they was, <clears throat> yeah, they almost lost that game. Yeah, because of uh, stu- not stupidity, but just lack of maturity yeah. and never being in that moment. Right. But hey, like they like they said after the game, hey, we never been in that moment. So, <laughs> no, nah, that's no excuse though. Uh, other news around the NFL: the Lions are um, Jim Caldwell, head coach Jim Caldwell, is calling the no call situation pretty hard to swallow. I mean, no doubt about that. I don't think he, I don't think they'll ever get over that call until probably next season. I mean, it's going to haunt them along with uh, the Lions are saying that bringing back Sue is a top priority as well. Uh, I don't think Sue is going to come back. He's too big for the city of Detroit, for the Lions. I mean, he, he's ready for the big bucks now. And I think uh, these higher marketing cities are going to start calling his agent, start bringing him more. And I think he's getting out of Detroit. So that's uh, Kwame. You still there? I'm still here. All right. I'm still here. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying. I'm, I got my phone so close to my ear. I'm trying to hear you. <laughs> I, I can't hear that. I think the uh, system that was not my phone. Yeah. Brand new phone with the volume turned up. But um, you mentioned Detroit. Detroit would not get over that issue until they're able to go to camp and get that on the system. You know, as a player, whenever you have a bad game, the, you cannot wait to get to practice to get that bad taste out of your mouth. And just as well as having a good game, you have to get it out your system immediately uh, to be able to perform for that next week. But we all know that Detroit was robbed in that Dallas game. Now, whether that made it, the outcome made it uh, what it was, who knows? Detroit mm-hmm. still had opportunities to score, but maybe they were just shooking up over there. And maybe Detroit should have went for that third and one and that fourth. They did go third and one. Maybe should have went for that fourth and one and started putting the ball 10 yards, right. especially when they've been running the ball well. But to get that bad taste out of your mouth, you have to wait till next season because their season is over. I think next time they play Dallas is when they can get that taste out the mouth, and hopefully, they they'll have Nandamika Sue um, on that roster next season. I don't think he's going to stay though. You know, I just I just feel him going elsewhere. It'll be um, what are you doing, girl? It'll be crazy. <laughs> yeah. To see these guys uh, let Dominic Sue, although at times he's undisciplined. Mm-hmm. But at some point, he has to grow up. And Caldwell has to really sit down to him and say, enough of the shenanigans, enough of you're a grown man, it's time to play football. You play at a high level, you probably, when your mind is right, unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to become that guy, uh, that Hall of Fame guy that's, that's staring you right in the face. And what you going to do from here? Mm-hmm. Dominic Sue. And it'd be crazy to let him go. I know there's a lot of teams that want him, but who can afford him? Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's, that it's teams They'll find ways, kind of like how the New York Knicks are finding their way, but that's coming up next. Uh, we'll talk about that later on, I should say. Um, other NFL news, head coach of the Carolina Panthers, Ron Rivera, uh, discusses the fire that damaged his house and the team's preparations for Saturday's game against the Seahawks. That's pretty hard to deal with. You, first of all, you're preparing for the Seahawks. I'm pretty sure you got preparation notes, uh, film, etc., all over the house, all over his home. In Carolina, or says, yeah, in North Carolina, and you know a fire breaks out at your home, and you're preparing for the best team in the NFL. That's kind of hard um, on your team because one thing you worried about your family first, in which he says uh, his his family got away, escaped from the fire, and 
but now it puts him behind in his preparation. You know, he's worried about his family, putting him somewhere safe, and making sure he can afford that, which I'm pretty sure he can. But at the same time, I mean, no one likes to have their home on fire, a place where they can go to and relax, take their mind off the game. And, you know, you got to take your mind off the game a little bit, preparing for the best team in the NFL. And I think that's pretty hard for uh, uh, Ron Rivera and his family. Oh, it's, it's going to be tough. Definitely uh, something that happened in the middle of the night. Thank goodness that no one was hurt as far as his family was concerned. No one was hurt. Yeah. Now, uh, getting ready for a game of the season, it, it all comes into um, perspective when you have some near-death situations or <laughs> something like a fire that could have been drastic in situations where that it wasn't that he was able to get his family out of there. Uh, but then you're getting ready for a game, and I got to stress the word game. You're getting ready for a game. You have to you have to be able to do that now that everyone is okay. You take a lot of stuff step by step. Now that everyone is okay, now you can focus on the game because it shouldn't touch as far as that was your issue. And I know when you're in a football team or any professional sport as a team and unit, you want to consider that a family. But his family is okay. They were able to get out of there. And and maybe then now he can focus because I'm sure it's seven thousand square feet. I'm sure he has insurance on all that stuff that he's got. Yeah. Uh, the, the key thing, the key thing I want to continue to stress is that everybody was okay, his family was okay. Now he can probably get ready for a football game, albeit against the Seattle Seahawks. The team was peaking at the right time. But if there's any time to rally the troops up and circle the wagons and and get their mind right and their focus right, because Seattle they had a week off. But they had a lot of preparation on getting ready for uh, the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. They had a week off, so they're not going to come right into the game and, and be surgical, as we've seen them when we left the regular season. Mm-hmm. So what Carolina did was take that momentum they had coming out of the Arizona Cardinals game and take it to Seattle, which is one of the toughest places, if not the tough place to play in the National Football League, mm-hmm. and try to get on top of them right quick, right quick and make the, the Hawks, the Seahawks, play from behind. Yeah, and it's what makes it odd is just uh, both situations could have been much worse for the Carolina Panthers. And when I mean both, I mean the house fire uh, from head coach in the middle of the night, and also Cam Newton, Cam Newton's uh, situation with the car accident. You know, both of them were very fortunate, but at the same time, it could have been worse for the uh, these Carolina Panthers. And it's crazy that they're still winning. You know that they won. I think it what five games in a row now, even with Cam's right. situation jumping in there. And so this team, you know, they, they fight through adversity. But like you said, um, Seattle might be a little bit behind with, with that week off. And but I don't think they I don't think that run game will ever get will ever take that time off because Marshawn Lynch is always ready to go. I mean it's crazy uh to see that. And but Carolina's defense, you know, they're playing with that edge that they played with last season a lot and they're going to be well prepared for this running game as well. Luke Keekley is playing at his MVP level the past couple of weeks, so I think they'll be prepared and ready to go on the defensive end. But do you still do you think? I mean, do they have any shot of being beating the Seattle Seahawks up there in Seattle? The Carolina Panthers. He's, he's one of the few. He's one of the few that's always going to be ready because he's. It, you don't call him beast mode just to be making up some names. Yeah, the guy prepares like that. Uh, he goes about his business that way. He will be ready. And and when you talk about, we, we mentioned Rivero and his house fire, but also let's add that he is one of the uh, premier defensive-minded coaches 
all those times you didn't see Carolina Panthers do that, and maybe their offense put them in a situation. But he is a defensive-minded, uh, ready coach. So I'm sure he'll get ready, and he played defense as a player with the Chicago Bears. So defensively, they should be ready to go. Offensively, they got to take that same mentality that they have with the Cardinals, and I say that. But you're right. They'd be playing against the best team, and I'll pay, in my opinion at least, in the Seattle Seahawks and beast mode. Do they have any chance? Because we're talking about the same Carolina Panthers. Yeah, they won five games in a row, but they still had to finish the NFL season with a losing record. Do they have any chance at all of upsetting the Seattle Seahawks? I don't I – mean, I mean, at the same time now, I did forget, but now it came back to mind. This is a revenge game for the Carolina Panthers. Last season they played each other. Uh, was it the a- NFC Championship? No, it wasn't the NFC Championship. It was the it was where it's at now. This is the revenge yeah, the, uh, game. Yeah, it was in. A, yeah, it was the divisional game. Yep. Uh, sometimes lightning strikes twice, and obviously things repeat itself. So you know they kind of get that itch. The Carolina Panthers. And that, that's that's probably what made them distract that defense throughout the uh, regular season. But now they're getting their stuff together, and they get another shot at these Seattle Seahawks, and that builds a lot of fire in you. So. Uh, but they are without Greg Hardy, of course. Who, well, he, they've been with him. Well, they've been without him uh, for the, most of the season, and I think it was just them getting used to playing without their All-Pro defensive end. And yeah, these guys want another shot at these boys, so you got to put oh, that. And they're gonna get it. Mm-hmm. They're they gonna get it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, other big news that happened yesterday. Uh, we got about a minute before we go to break. Uh, NBA man. The Cavaliers pulling the trigger, getting uh, Deion Waiters out of town. Uh, first of all, I don't know what the New York Knicks are planning, but I kind of got that. I kind of get the feeling what they're planning. They're freeing up some money in some of the trades that they made. But the Cavs, of course, they couldn't work with Deion. Deion wanted to play a certain way. Uh, it was a bunch of rumors and comments. Matter of fact, we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to come back after break and pick up on that subject. You listen to the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. 
Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports hey welcome back welcome back welcome back to the Carmen last of the sports talk show it is tuesday we are live in studio give me lachey is in studio live in studio Kwame lassiter is um, on the line. Well, he was on the line, but now we're waiting for his phone to get checked back up for him to call back in. <clears throat> before, the, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit under the weather. But before the break, we were discussing uh, the big trade news in the NBA world. Dion Waiters from the Cleveland Cavaliers has been traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. It was a three-way trade, and the New York Knicks have sent J.R. Smith in Iman Shumpert to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And there was a few draft picks being moved around as well. Not only that, uh, some lower-ended NBA players, some bench players being moved around as well, um, especially towards the New York Knicks. And, you know, I really didn't understand it at first when the breaking news first broke out of the trade being gone through about the three-way teams. Then I seen what the Knicks were doing. I At first, I was a bit confused. And then I realized, okay, they're trying to free up some space. Obviously, they they have a, a lot of money that they put into uh, J.R. Smith. They finally got his contract out of there. Along with that, they also got Iman Shumpert out of there, who was coming up on his uh, this season. He will, he will be a restricted free agent at the end of the NBA season. So I kind of see what the New York Knicks were doing. Kwame, I'm, a, I'm discussing about the good, – good to have you back, first and foremost. Uh, discussing about this three-way trade. First, I'm getting on the New York Knicks, and then we'll make our way towards the Cavs and OKC Thunder. Starting with the Knicks, I, I first one, like I said before, stated before, I didn't understand uh, the Knicks part of it. But now I see that they're free no space. You know why? Because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know what, they're going after somebody big. Somebody in the likes of the name of Kevin Durant. I Shit. think New York. <laughs> I think New York is pushing towards getting Kevin Durant. If not him, then they're going to go for uh, either a big man whose contract is coming up, or 
because they they don't have any trade baits available now. I mean, the, the biggest trade baits was was Iman Shumpert and J.R. Smith, and they sent them both to the same team. And the Knicks are well now they're the worst team in the NBA. They only won about what four games, five games this this NBA season. Uh, the most losses in the NBA. They are underneath the Seventy Sixers. So you could pretty much say uh, tanking. Is it leaning towards that way? Are they going to tank the rest of the season, get the first-round pick, or get the number think. one overall pick or number two with the lottery, depending on that goes. But I think they're freeing up space for the next coming-up seasons to get to make that run towards Kevin Durant. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm trying to get Kevin Durant to go to New York. Maybe it's a spotlight thing. Maybe the big city. Maybe it's, it's Madison Square Garden. Kevin Durant. You know how we talk about you don't want to see those athletes in another jersey? Yeah. Yep. He he may be one of those guys that should stay in Oklahoma City because he came when they came to Oklahoma. He was with that team, mm-hmm. so he's he's one of those guys. Now, as far as the, what the New York Knicks are doing, getting rid of a uh, J.R. Ryder, J.R. Ryder, Smith. Yeah, I mean Smith. I say I always say J.R. Ryder, <laughs> and he lives out here in the valley. But oh. J.R. Smith, getting rid of him. Well, he's a he comes with some baggage, and he's so good. He's so talented. But he feels like he he has to do idiotic things uh, from when I watch when I watch him play. It would be great to get rid of him because I think he has two years left or one of those years in the option. And the Cleveland Cavaliers do not have him, do not have to pick him up because they are part of a three way trade. So if they don't like how he comes in and play this year with his tactics, mm-hmm. well, the Cleveland and we're gonna get into the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know you mentioned that, mm-hmm. but they don't have to they don't have to pick up that option here. <coughs> now the New York Knicks. Clearing up cap space, I don't think they have no. I don't think they have any option. They have already one of the worst team. They are already the worst team. So tanking, they have no control of. They just don't have enough cohesive as a unit to to get things done to finish to finish basketball games to finish uh, to put enough points on the board, play defense. And what's over there, Carmelo Anthony? Yep. You have uh, Stoudemire, but yep. you got rid of a lot of guys already that could be could help. One I felt that was you should have kept was Tyson Chandler. Yeah, of course. But I don't think they have an option which is to tank it. And they do, and maybe we can see the New New York Knicks go from the trash can up into that upper echelon where they everybody think they should be as far as one of the elite and premier teams in the NBA, as a as well as the NBA East yeah. the division they play in. When you move over to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, you talk about getting rid of a uh, painter. Well, he wants to shoot. Mm-hmm. He wanted to shoot. You got LeBron James. You got um, who's Kyrie over there. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Love. There's not enough balls for what this guy does and what he wants to do. So you're yeah. not going to be able to shoot. He was unhappy with that. So that trade to send him to no man's land didn't benefit him, but at least he get to shoot over <laughs> in New York. Yeah, of course. And then you add, uh, in a, who's in the three-way trade? Shepard? Uh, yeah, Iman Shepard, who's a great yeah, defender. Shepard's in there. Oh. Yeah, he's but a he's defensive coming specialist. Off Once he's, if he's healthy, he is the, he's pretty good. Yeah. He'll help any team when he's healthy. So when you get him uh, on the roster and get him back healthy, he's going to be serviceable to anybody. Just put these guys in the right situation on the right team so they can be successful. And, and more so team first. So they can be successful. Then these guys get to play at a high level and get to understand their role. Then everyone wins in that situation. At right. the end of the day, I think someone 
out of those three teams, that three trade, somebody is gathering up enough trade bait so they can probably along the lines of what you said is to get one of those marquee players that's coming out. If it's Durant, somebody's going to hit the lottery. But I think Durant may stay mm-hmm. in uh, Oklahoma City. But if you get Durant, you've, you've hit the biggest lottery out there since uh, probably a Michael Jordan. Right. Now, to go back, you made some great key points. Now, it made me start to think, okay, who got the better deal out of the three teams? I mean, obviously, right now, on paper, uh, after the trade was made yesterday, right now, today, I'm going to say the Cavs got the best out of the deal. Because, one, you get an Iman Shumpert, a defensive uh, guy on the wing, which they really needed, even though he's not healthy right now. Um, he will get healthy. He will be a restricted free agent. You can, you have enough money to sign him back. Not only that, uh, J.R. Smith, who guy who can shoot the ball on the wing, who's not going to clap his hands, you know, do certain things that Deion Waiters was doing. You know, Deion Waiters was used to playing the way he's used to playing. J.R. Smith, he, he can um, – you know, he can mix and match with the team. Now, I was very surprised because I'm like, okay, Cleveland needs a big man. Verizal is out. But you're getting J.R. Smith and Iman Shumper. Maybe they're not done with trading. Maybe they have some other moves up their sleeves. But yeah. getting J.R. Smith, that gives you a score right away right now, which uh, Cleveland needs. They need that gamer who can say, you know what, I don't care if LeBron's on the court or he's off the court. I'm going to play my best, definitely offensively than defensively with J.R. Smith. And Iman Shepard brings that defensive presence. So I think they got the better end of it on paper. OKC got a good deal in bringing in Deion Waiters. Helps Russell Westbrook and Durant with a guy with confidence and scoring abilities. Also a guy with uh, who, who, who was an NBA starter, who was a starter for the uh, Cavs when he had his time with the Cavaliers. And that gives them some more firepower you know he likes to run up and down the court kind of like how every team in the west does and especially okc with westbrook and durant it's going to be interesting to see them mix uh mix and match throwing waiters in there uh from time in time out kind of like how they did with james harden i believe waiters should come off the bench but at the same time he doesn't want it to he that's the issue with cleveland cleveland wanted him to come off the bench but he wanted to be a starter and i'm just like you got to He's a six-man. He was a six-man in Syracuse. So why not be a six-man in uh, the NBA? Everybody feels their time has arrived. You remember J.R. Smith? He was a six-man of the year two years ago. When you asked the question, who got the best best deal Mm -hmm. out of the three, Mm -hmm. I I would say um, that uh, Cleveland Cavaliers did. I said J.R. Smith was talented. I say he's good, but he he comes with baggage that he doesn't have to have. That You wonder why. If it puts you in the mindset, well, who did we talk about last year was in Indianapolis uh, uh, that just had so good. Mm-hmm. You talking about uh, Lance Stevenson? Lance Stevens, so good. Mm-hmm. But why you have to do all that extra stuff? That's not basketball. I understand mentally, the mental part of it, but you don't have to do that. So I think J.R. Rodden and <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers got the better part of the three-way deal. Now, mm-hmm. you look at you make a great point about uh, having Payne coming off the coming off the bench because that's kind of puts you in the mindset of that uh, that three way monster they had when they had Harding over there and, and um, those uh, two major stars. Mm-hmm. When now he can do that, six man in Syracuse, you still not that starter. You still want to come off the bench, and every athlete, regardless of who they think they are, feel mm-hmm. like they're more than they are, or they, they want to be more than they are. He feels like he's ready. When he comes on the when he comes on the court, he shoots, he puts it up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you go into a team that has those major stars, there's not enough basketballs to go around. No, not at all. 
and I think kind of I think Dion Waiters reminds me of a of a young J.R. Smith. You know, he he gets drafted in the NBA and he's looked to to be to be a scorer upon on like very quickly in the NBA on a bad NBA team. Well, I think J.R. Smith, uh, where did he start off at? He started off somewhere. Bad. Was it the Nuggets? Well, I know he ended up with the Nuggets and playing with. Uh, and he was in, he was in Denver. Yeah. Before he went to New York. And he was a young, you know, score, great two guard, and he got better and better as the years came. But all he wanted to do was work on his offensive game. And I think Deion Waiters is the same way, just a little bit more immature. And is what I found it very odd. I was shocked when they said Waiters was traded. I was like, wow, because at the beginning of the season. LeBron James said, if there's one guy I want to keep underneath my wing, the one guy I want to get close with, who I've been getting close with, is Deion Waiters. And I was and like, you know what, you know, that helps. All, and that's why you know this was all business. Oh, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. These bells ringing. <laughs> yeah, but it was just the whole simple fact of, yeah, Deion Waiters was underneath LeBron's wing. But then Deion Waiters came out with the comment before the season, yeah, me and Kyrie Irving, we're the best backcourt in the NBA. And that right there, LeBron, after that, LeBron was like, I mean, this guy has to be more mature. He can't let the media get to him. Because, you know, guys were talking and they were messing around saying, oh, John Wall and Bradley Beal saying they're the best backcourt in the NBA. Deion Waiters came out blatantly and said, we're the best backcourt, me and Kyrie. No doubt about it. Like, you can't do things. Like, you can't fall into that trap. Because then once you don't bring that A game, or you have bad games, they're going to be looked at you, Deion Waiters, and say, oh, where's your game at? You're not good. You're, and then you get caught up in the media. And that's what LeBron was like, yo, you got to ignore that because I'm back in Cleveland. That's enough media attention itself. Now you're trying to bring attention on yourself. And I think that kind of showed throughout the season thus far with Deion Waiters uh, wanting to move the ball faster, get shots up as quick as he wanted to. And it messed up their flow. And then he wasn't doing anything on a defensive end on the wing. Uh, up there in Cleveland. So I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of maturity. And I think you get a more matured uh, J.R. Smith when he's uh, coming to Cleveland. Yeah, he did have the antics when he was untying guys' shoes and pulling guys' shorts down. But I think he's more mature now because I know at the beginning of the season he said he was going to work on that. He was going to watch some of his manners on the court and make sure he wasn't – Making sure that he wouldn't be in a big distraction on the court, and I think J.R. Smith has matured into that. Let me um, let me apologize because I'm over here <laughs> at uh, Pinnacle High School, okay, and I got to train. Uh, I don't got to, I don't have to, but uh, every year, you know, I usually train these collegiate uh, yeah. guys coming out. I know you're talking basketball, mm-hmm. but I'm apologize because of the interruptions that I keep having to call in and call out. Yeah, um, but that's the noise year. That's the bell. I'm at the high school and we training these college guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I texted you earlier. Yeah, I, I have the guy who jumped out the balcony and so-called missed some of the time. Oh um, boy! You know what? I was <laughs> going to talk about that in the last segment. So if we could hold off on that, because I got so much to say about okay. that. One. Well, hopefully, I'm waiting on them now. They're supposed to be here at ten thirty. It's ten thirty-eight. My time is money, so I'm about to talk to somebody <laughs> about this. <laughs> I, can get to, I can get to that last segment because I like to talk about it also. Okay, yeah, you know they on their time, they're on their their schedule. Come on, these guys are future NBA players or NFL uh, superstars on their way, working with you. But they ain't, they ain't gonna be on my time. I ain't gonna have no time. I got I got stuff to do. Well, you make sure you got to call that one guy from USC. Just just FYI. But uh, <laughs> going along with the with this uh, big, I mean, it's a big trade. Uh, the three team trade. How do you think OKC? We're getting receiving Dion Waiters uh, to the Thunder. Where do you see him fitting? Is it makes him better, or worse? Where do you think that sits with him? 
I, I see them helping out because uh, with the injuries of Westbrook and uh, Durant, they're going to have this. It's a long basketball season. They're going to have they're going to have games where they're going to need to be sit out. Uh, and I think uh, Dion coming off the bench, and he have to understand you're just not going to come to OKC and you the starter. We know how talented you are. We know you probably could start on uh, 15 other teams and around the national so, uh, NBA. But if you can come off the bench, you benefit and help this team. Where they're sitting right now, I think with the injuries and these guys not playing together, Westbrook and Durant, uh, as of years past because of injuries, I think Painter will come in and, and help this team stay together and keep them above, whether it be Painter and Westbrook or Painter and Durant, barring any injuries. I think if he can come off the bench and understand his role, then they'll get into that eighth or seventh seed with no problem. Uh, we know where they're yeah. sitting now, uh-huh. but before the season's over, with, with no problems, they'll be in the playoffs. And that's an AFC or 17th or seventh seed team that you don't want to face in the playoffs if you wanted to. Oh, no, so I not think at all. He'll fit in perfectly, but he got to, you know, I, it's hard for me to tell a guy, don't have that grudge, that attitude, that edge that, you, that got you to where you are. But if you understand your concept and where you are as a player right now, and it might be a one year, maybe two at the most, one year deal, then go out and play that and then go get that that max deal because every player wants to get paid and then so they can just concentrate on their craft. You want to have some some life security, then you can concentrate on what you have to do on on the court. So if he's able to do that, I think the OKC, Oklahoma City Thunder, is going to be fine in where they are as building that team. Because everybody making this is the time of the year right now and part of the season where before the All Star break comes up, uh-huh. up 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 upon us that everyone's making moves yeah. to put themselves in a position to finish that uh, home stretch. Yep, and you're absolutely right. We're gonna take a quick break and after the break we'll come up in our last segment and finish up on a uh, great Tuesday show. You listen to the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Yo, Jay, hit it. Let's go. This speech is my recital. 
I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. Here we go. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back to the last segment of the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. We are live in studio. Demi Lachey. Kwame Lasseter is on the lines, on the ones and twos. And, uh, yeah, coming up our last segment, we finished up talking about the big three-way trade that happened yesterday. Um, kind of a breaking news deal. I didn't even see the trade even coming along. I don't know if you did as well, Kwame. I didn't hear any rumors about it, but they made the trade happen. Um, other news um, in the NBA, uh, you know, there's been rumors about David Black, uh, the Cavs coach, uh, maybe not having his job by the end of the season. But um, I don't see why they would fire him or let him go. It's year number one with mixing in with uh, with him in the NBA period. He never coached in the NBA. He always coached overseas and – I don't. I don't see him going anywhere. The GM says he's not going anywhere, but this is also the same GM that said we're not going to trade Dion Waiters, and then boom, that happens. So I don't think Coach Blanton's going anywhere from the Cavaliers. I don't think his job is in jeopardy. This same conversation they was having about uh, uh, coaching Miami uh, yeah. when he first started. I mean, he started. He, he's got to put their time in. So obviously, know the game. And we we've also said on the show that some of the best coaches never played the game, but they wouldn't take that information that type of intel and put it into everything they know, which makes them better coaches. I think Coach Black may be okay, but you also have Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. You also might have a, a sensible J.R. Smith um, and Kevin Love because he's on a one-year deal. LeBron is on a one-year deal, one with an option. But we also know that there's big money coming up next year as far as the TV and the free and the uh, collective agreement is concerned. So a lot of guys don't get paid in this situation. As well as the, um, as well as this coaching security, right, things right. like it's fine. Right, and it was a good point that, excuse me, it was a good point that you made about uh, Eric Spolstra. You know, he was going through the same deal, um, his first time around, his first time out with D Wade and LeBron, and a lot of speculation hit them back um, during that first championship run season. So I think everything would be okay. They'll they'll get back to it. It's just LeBron is taking a lot of these games off just to see the maturity, the the, the development <clears throat> of these of his new Cavaliers team and teammates. He doesn't want to put it on, all on his shoulders anymore, <clears throat> and that's for sure. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, it is around that time of season where a lot of these young college athletes who are putting their name into the draft, um, the guys who are done, obviously. Everybody's done in college football except for two teams, um, Ohio State and Oregon. But it's that time of year where a lot of guys are getting themselves ready for the draft, signing agents, uh, throwing their name in the draft, or maybe throwing it in for right now and then pulling it back out later. But it's a lot of guys who's beginning this training. I understand you have a few athletes there with you at the high school that you're at right now. and They're coming in to training. One of the guys uh, is, a, is a celebrity, I guess you could say, uh, to an extent. Um, the guy from USC last year who jumped off what? Jumped off a uh, apartment complex. And yeah, he jumped first, off the balcony. Uh, yeah, he jumped off the we, balcony. We, we kind of did our own research about why he would do that, and then you yeah. know, it had to be a girl involved. And if you think he was spying on his girlfriend that had recently broke up or ex broke up, yeah. uh, allegedly talking about this stuff. So uh, he maybe he can give me some facts, but I, I won't ask him anything like that. I'm here to train him. Yeah, but yeah I, of course. I just thought it was funny that. Most times I don't know who I'm training when this time comes around, but <laughs> yeah. he just happened to be one of the guys from USC. I got two USC guys, okay. two guys from uh, Colorado State, Pablo. Mm-hmm. I got a guy from, um, 
wow, where's this other guy from? But I got quite a few guys out here. Okay. So it's interesting that he was one of the guys, and we talked about him on the, on the air mm-hmm. about how athletes keep doing idiotic things. Now I'm going to really see what his mind is. Yeah. And with with you training them, I know you're going to train them on their skills and probably their 40s and agility tests. Now, will you also be training, like, the mental aspect of the NFL with your experience I, and dealing I, with yeah, the media? Yeah, I think that's one of my – obviously these guys can play because they're in front of me. Right. Um, but they could be in front of anybody as well. But one of the things I, I really hop on that I, I try to guide them on is the mental part. I, I tell them, don't come out in Arizona because you're still in – you're still in college. You're still a college guy or that mentality. Now you've got to understand this is business. You've got to prepare for business. And what you did in college would definitely get you in some serious trouble in the National Football League because now you're your own man. You don't have an organization per se uh, like a college family. Now you're a grown man and you're responsible for your own actions. A lot of times the organizations just cut you. In college, you can also lose your scholarship. Right. But there is a difference. It's time for you to grow, grow up now. And we have a conversation a lot on the show about we ask kids to grow up fast depending on what university they went to. But now here in the National Football League, it's time to grow up. You can't be jumping off balconies. You can't be front page news if it doesn't have anything to do with football. So I train mentally how to get ready and what's expected for from you mm-hmm. as far as when the NFL is concerned. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure a lot of guys are going to be coming out here towards the West Coast I uh, used to read a lot about that when I was back in school and seeing a bunch of guys come out to the Phoenix area and you working with them. Now, how long is usually your workout day? Do you work out with them for just today, depending on their agent, or is it just them setting it up? Is it like a three-day, four-day process? How many days do you usually work out with your uh, athletes that come along? I will give them, um, I'll give them an hour Mm-hmm. An hour a day. That's the that's the time, but I don't leave them. I don't leave them after an hour. If any guy wants some extras, I usually give it to him, and that's that's overtime. But I don't get paid for any of that overtime stuff. Right. But I feel like give the guy as much as you can for him to get ready for a change in his life, a different part of his career that he thinks he wants or think he know what to expect, but you don't know what to expect until you get there. So mm-hmm. I train these guys. Wednesday, I mean, sorry, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays mm-hmm. for four weeks. And one of the things I do, and we mentioned the, the mental aspect of it, but one of the things we do is I get them ready for the combines. And I get them ready to go, a lot of these guys, or some of these guys don't go to the senior bowl. You know, there's different bowls, east-west bowl. Right. There's different bowls from now until t- draft time and right. now until combine times. So I train them on combine stuff. I, I check their footwork out. I check their hips out, seeing right. who's what, where they're projected. A lot of times I don't care what you're projected. I'm trying to make you better while I got you because mm-hmm. you obviously can play. And then sometimes the agents give me a call afterwards and want me to do some more extensive training with them. That's how I get a lot of these guys mm-hmm. through their agents just finding my number and calling me. Absolutely. And I think that's a great deal that's what you're doing and helping develop these guys and getting involved. Because you've been there before. You've been at the highest level that there is in the NFL and, or in the game of football as well and you know these guys are prepared for that especially them being dbs and uh you you being a defensive back yourself uh i think it's a great deal and i think it's pretty interesting and yeah it's that, it's that time of year do you ever get like any offensive players as well or is it just defensive guys you mainly want to work with i think the, the good thing about um being able to play defense and, and as you mentioned playing at that level is 
I do get offensive guys. I get more so receiver guys say, what should I be doing right here? What is the defensive back trying to do to me? Because right. I can actually coach receivers having playing defensive back. Mm-hmm. But they come to me, uh, and you can tell those are guys who are serious about their crap. And they mm-hmm. come to me, and they want to know what a defensive back is trying to do to me. What should I, how should I break my wrap out, route, routes off? Or how can I take advantage of certain situations that the defensive back is in? Uh, but that's those guys who are important, who are serious about their crap. Mm-hmm. So I do get some offensive guys, and most times they're receivers. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So you do it. You're doing this for about a three to four week process, and well, for right now, until you know you get a call back from the agent, and yeah. they want to put in that extra work and extra time with you as well. Yeah, that's, it's about. Yeah, you're right. It's a four week process. Uh, three days a week. Uh, one of the things I do is I do show them film. You mentioned that I show them film mm-hmm. on on um, combines, uh, drills. Then I go out on the field and we rep those drills. But before I do any of that, I got to see if these guys can move. Who are they? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. I know what I know. Who you are in college? But you're not in college anymore. Right so now, you got to get ready for that next stage, and that stage is a little bigger most times, depending on what team you go to in the National Football League. Yeah, I think it's a lot bigger depending on. I don't care if you went to Ohio State or Arkansas State, and look at John Brown, Pittsburgh State. You know, oh it's, yeah, John it's, Brown it's a came whole, and played at a high level. Yeah, it's a whole nother level, a whole nother aspect. Um, yeah, it is that time of year where a lot of these guys, you know, they're it's either, you know, they make it or break it in the workouts and learning the knowledge. I think the whole biggest deal for uh, college guys going to the NFL right now, their process, is the mindset. You know, you got to fix your mindset. You know you have the skill to play uh, football, the game of football. You've been playing all your life. You know, it's just it's it's been a dream to get to where you're at now. But now it's just a whole amount of the mindset deal turning into a whole nother level. Can you handle, you know, one day not having a great workout and the next day, next three days, can you put that all together? Can you get better from today, Tuesday, to when you leave on Thursday? Like, you know, can you get better and then get better next week? Because I think the guys who get the earlier start gets the more mindset preparation. So then when it gets closer to draft time, you know, your name is getting tossed around a lot. Like, yo, this kid has been working since uh, since January, you know? Yeah, because a lot of these, um, you make good points right there. A lot of these uh, coaches and some scouts come to me and say, how's this kid? And I tell them how he is from the time I got him. So can you transition? Can you put a, a couple workouts together? Can you have a bad workout, come back the next day and have an outstanding workout? Because it's like having a bad game right. or a bad practice, coming back, doing it all over again, but doing it right and better the next time. So a lot of this is mental with these kids, for they actually can't play. Right. And I agree with that. So, and yeah, you also get a uh, quicker jump than the, the guys who are playing at Ohio State, Oregon, who still has the national championship game to play. So right. it gives you exactly. opportunity to and take advantage And they can understand that. If you want to get a jump on these guys, because some of them are going to come out here, and most of those guys playing at that level mm-hmm. are probably projected high anyway. And projections is just what they are. That's somebody's opinion what, who and what they think you are. Mm-hmm. You can come out here and shine. I've had guys that they say was going in the fifth round and and having them working them out, get into the third round. So mm-hmm. it's all about how you prepare and what you're preparing for. If you're serious about your craft, and come to work. And I always tell them, first thing I say, is don't waste my time because I could be golfer. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> don't I like that. Um, yeah, because you know these guys that 
Oregon, Ohio State, they're already projected first round, second round picks. And it gives the guys right now fifth, sixth, fourth round draft picks to jump up in that uh jump up in that um draft board and the projections. Yeah, I do you ever tell them, you know, ignore the draft. Ignore, you know, don't look at the projections and you know, don't worry about all that. Let your agent deal with that, right? Is that how the yeah. process is? Well, I tell, them, um, them? I tell them there's nothing they can do about it when the time the draft starts. There's no more put all the work you can right now because when the draft starts, there's nothing you can do about it. They call me every round through the draft telling me he's going to pick me here, and I didn't get drafted. Mm-hmm. It's not um, a lot of times. It's a better way to come in, but once you win, you make the best of it. And like I said, I didn't get drafted. I came in and I played numerous years. Uh, and I like to think I played at a high level doing it. But so what? You don't get drafted. What are you going to do from here from now? you got to go in there with the mentality that, that you are better than these guys. You look mm-hmm. at Randy Mouse, who didn't, he wasn't drafted number one. But he had an attitude like, every team who didn't pick me, I'm going to make them pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I watched this. Worry, yeah. worry about, only worry about what you can control. Yeah, and his uh, 30 for 30 that ESPN launches uh, – about the documentary stories of certain athletes and certain situations and events. Randy Moss's 30 for 30 was incredible. I could relate to that. You know, some of his yeah. stories, like, it's very, me and him, like, he kind of went through the same deals that I went through. Well, I never went to jail, but I've been through some tough situations where, you know, a lot of the bigger schools pulled out on me, and, you know, so, and he found his way through. And, yeah. Yeah, and definitely, uh, Guys like that. Well, we, uh, we all got our we all got our own routes, and there are different routes to get to the top. Right. You just got to be willing to keep working towards the top. But you got different routes to get there. You either working towards the top or you going down. Absolutely. Now I know the other day, um, the All Pro NFL football NFL All Pro team got released out. Did you ever check out any of the? Um, Guys who you looked at who made All Pro this season was like, why is that guy making All Pro? How did he make All Pro? Because I know, uh, congratulations to uh, Calais Campbell for the Arizona Cardinals. He made All Pro. Um, it's weird to see Patrick Peterson making um, the Pro Bowl game, but not an All Pro defensive back. Yeah, and well, you know what they say? The Pro All Pro. Now I made All Pro, and they say All Pro. It's better to make all pro than a pro bowl. The pro bowl has a, had a whole lot to do with fan base. Yeah, okay. The all pro is more of uh, sports writers who see it all or supposed to see it all. And then that's how you get selected all pro. Now, yeah. Calais Campbell deserved to be all pro. You, you look across the board and you wonder, <laughs> in, the NFL, in the NFL, NFC, who's better than what this guy does? Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Patrick Peterson, and, and we both. Maybe we put him at a high level in our mindset that he should have played a lot better than he did. He had a great game against Dad's Bryant, but there was no consistency. And a lot of times, I see him standing straight up. I don't see him backpedaling like uh, the great backpedalers do. The guys who come out of their break with position, with uh, precision and sharp angles yeah. instead of rounding it off. And then coming out of his break, Patrick Peterson looks in the backfield, and that's why he's he's mm-hmm. really there this year. Mm-hmm. But he got all those acclaim and those accolades from returning punts yeah. and making a few plays. So now we expect him to be this great corner when he's just a good corner. Yeah, He's a great punt returner, but he's a good corner, so we want him to be a great corner. And yeah. they took him they took him off offense for a lot of those reasons so he can concentrate on corners, but I didn't see that concentration this year. Okay. 
Yeah, unfortunately, we are out of time on the show. Yeah, you should definitely show uh, the guys you're working on with Patrick Peterson's film. Show them, or otherwise, they're going to get ripped on this show like how we normally do. So just give them a fair warning. But at the same time, we got to get out of here. We'll be back Thursday, taking a day off tomorrow. We will be back Thursday, live in studio. You listen to the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show, and we see you Thursday. Yeah. for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.